he's his name's Naoto. He's from Japan. So when he goes to Japan, he meet, like meets up with master knife sharpeners and they teach him these crazy tricks and secrets. Wicked. Um, but they, oh, I want that. I'm jealous. Right? Yeah. Do you want to do you want to take Darren on as an apprentice? He could use the knife. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> We're hiring for a Toronto store. If you want to move to Toronto. No. <laughs> I'd rather die. Yeah, I'm just, same. Just straight up. <laughs> same here. Straight up. <laughs> Welcome to Muttering Pines, the show where us city folk try to cowpoke. We drink beer, talk about ATVs, life outside the city, homesteading, entrepreneurship, and ultimately trying to do stuff with our hands. Dazzer? Hey, buddy. How you doing? I Very well. What a I wonderful have, day. I have a noise for you. What's that? Oh, no, that was too far away from the microphone. Here, try this one. Oh, I don't have that. I use a glass now because I'm old, and uh, drinking out of cans makes me bloated and gross. Hey, wait, wait, wait. You did something. I I took a drink without cheersing. Mm -hmm. That's a penalty penalty to me. How's that feel? Pretty good. Okay. What are you drinking? Uh, well, let's do that when our, our guest shows up because we have a guest tonight. And the best part of this is Scott organized our guest tonight and then fucking didn't look at his calendar until yesterday and realized he's in Vancouver. But Vancouver soft people wouldn't really. Yeah, I got nothing. Sorry. Vancouver people don't listen to us. Yeah, <clears throat> they don't. But, but cheers. also, hey, happy days. Happy days. So it'll just be us tonight. Okay. Talking about knives. Which I'm excited about because I love knives. You are a connoisseur of knives. You're a, a professional knife shaper, sharpener, Wrong. and I <laughs> am no, not no, professional. No. In comparison to myself, who is a professional destroyer of knives. <laughs> I think you only wreck uh, everything. Only wreck the ones that are um, made improperly. Mm, I think I'm wreck all the ones that you make for me and the ones that you make for you. I don't wreck them all because they're improper. Because they're made but, poorly. Mm. <laughs> well, you know, there's something to live up to. You you want to become a better knife maker, and I'm going to try to continue to break them. My goal is to make one that you can use and not break. <laughs> To be fair, though, you do some dumb shit with your knives. Like, oh, I'm going to yeah, use the skip to pry open uh, a neck an bone. oil can or something. No, no, no. I wouldn't do something stupid like that. I try to, like, pop the head off a fucking deer with a knife. That's funny. And a little push, twist, and pop also destroys your knives. So, well, that, I was, shouldn't, uh, that shouldn't break a knife. <laughs> I was butchering a turkey, and... Uh, I also I used a like a, a chef's kitchen knife, like a normal commercial grade one, and I also broke the tip right off that, trying to. Oh yeah. Was that trying to separate the backbone or something like that? Like just, I'm just bad. No, I have a pretty good uh, Japanese, or I thought it was pretty good Japanese chef's knife, mm-hmm. and uh, I was just being me, like old and butterfingers, and I let it, like it just fell out of my hands. And landed uh, straight into the cutting board, tip down, bing, mm-hmm. like perfect. 
but then it wobbled and snapped the tip off inside the cutting board. Oh. So who do we have on tonight? It's Nathan? We have Nathan from Knifeware. Uh, so do you, they sell do you think he's going to teach us anything? Well, He's we not can... going to teach us anything, is he? I... You can't teach idiots. Well, he'll give us knowledge, and what we do with it is going to be I, that is true. Irrelevant. You, isn't that like a, a Japanese term? It's like you can't teach an idiot, but you can oh, show them fuck. the way. Uh, it sure There's is. There's got to be a proverb in there somewhere. There's got to be. There absolutely has to be a proverb <clears> in there. Um, yeah, Knifeware, I think, sells exclusively Japanese knives. Um, and luckily, he is uh, He's here. He's waiting for us. How are you? Mm, the look of concern means he can't hear us. Yep. There you go. You can hear us Hello. now? I can. That's much better. Awesome. How are this, you doing? It's going to be an awkward podcast if I can't hear what they're asking me. <laughs> <laughs> How are you reading? Yeah, right? Uh, I'm doing pretty great. How are you guys? Good, doing thanks. good. Um, first of all, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. You bet. Um, the, we're just going to get this out of the way right now. So Scott, um, I guess he, I don't know who exactly he plays with, but uh, he plays oh, d uh, with. My coworker oh, Mason, oh, wait, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So he kind of got this organized and then um, fucking didn't look at his calendar until yesterday. And he's like, I'm in Vancouver tomorrow. And we're like, you <laughs> moron so he will not be joining us even though uh he set it all up and so here i was the one worried i was gonna like show up at the wrong time or something no no you showed up and he did not so you're all right you're, you're already doing better than he is <laughs> no worries um do you uh i don't know if you looked into us at all but if no, you have a beverage, we like to start <laughs> off by talking a little bit about oh, oh, what the oh. fuck. Oh, wait, wait. I'm underpowered here. We are underpowered. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I didn't want to be boring, so. No, that's that's fair. So why don't you... Uh, oh, and what's that stuff? Oh, I got a hydrate. That's hydrogen, yeah. hydrogen dioxide. That's toxic shit. That's, <laughs> that's my glow-in-the-dark Nalgene for camping. <laughs> I forgot I was going to bring water, too. Yeah. <sighs> Um, I, I brought this much, so I'm not doing very good. Oh, yeah. There you go. That's all right. So uh, what are you drinking, Nate? Uh, so I have got... Is my volume level okay? Perfect. Oh, yeah, you're okay. good. Awesome. Uh, I've got some homebrew cider. Uh, I got into homebrew a couple years ago. So cider is just easy. So I make a lot of that. And then... When, uh, what, we're we're going to get into ABV that on that? Uh, like seven-ish. Shit, I'm I'm, I'm kind of lazy with the measurements, so I don't measure every patch, but I just kind of go, ah, this looks about right, and, you know, gets Is me it drunk, more of a so. dry or, or sweet? It comes out pretty dry, so I do I do a primary ferment, and then I add a bit of sugar, and I bottle it, and I do a secondary ferment, so I get nice carbonation. So, you know, if you drink it right away, it's kind of mediocre and sweet, and, uh, and then the longer you let it sit, the more it gets almost like champagne levels of bubbly. It's very... Uh, pretty active but really delicious wow yeah and then and that's then just you, a little canadian rye with my my hunting bird glass you have a secondary beverage yeah. good for you back up like it all right matt how are you gonna beat that uh no 
no, I ain't touching that. But uh, a friend of mine gave me. Oh, this is gonna evil corporations jalapeno pilsner. Okay, right on. Yeah, yeah. And don't know. It's uh not near as jalapeno as I thought it was gonna be. There's no spice. You can taste the jalapeno, hmm. but it's all right. Yeah, it's a new brewery in town. Sweet. I haven't heard of Evil Corporation. I have to look them up. I like the name. No, it's uh, it does, and it just makes you just wanna all <laughs> the time. Pinky in the corner, <laughs> corner of your mouth. Um, I'm drinking Old Faithful. Mm. Old Faithful. Dirty Saskies. My, uh, Dirty yeah. Beer. You gotta love it. Yeah. My backup. I, I don't have a good backup. But I'm not drinking the homebrew stuff. That's that's my go-to. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did check you guys out before uh, before coming on here, and uh, mm. I like the the background of the, the unfinished basement wall with the fur hung up on the wall. That's I love it. Uh, sorry, it's 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 ghetto because I just I work in the basement, and that's as far as my decorating skills go. So. Yeah, <laughs> you're like just be glad you can't see the rest of my basement. <laughs> Should probably put some drywall up, Matt. This is like the fourth person that's comment. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I. It's not giving me any kudos about my basement. Yeah, but that's Just okay. Like I understand. Keep wood paneling or something. <laughs> yeah, like turn it into like a 70s basement. If I put a green screen on anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, although we've been talking about homebrew, uh, Nathan, you work at Knifeware in yeah. Inglewood. Yeah. Knives. <laughs> Knives. And so... Uh, oh, oh, wait, wait, wait. Go back to that. I'll, I'll talk go about back. those. I'll, I won't interrupt yet. We'll, no, we'll, go ahead. We'll get back to those. But yeah, so, well, yeah, I work at Knifeware. Um, and we specialize in Japanese kitchen knives, a lot of handmade ones, um, as well as just like cookware and, and things for... Really, it's all about things that help you enjoy food and cooking more. Uh, mm-hmm. And I used to be, I used to work in restaurants and wanted to get out of that and, and ended up selling knives. And now I've been there for 10 years. So that's, that's where I come from. Cool. Oh, wow. So how come exclusively Japanese kitchen knives? Mm. Well, first of all, it's like, so, so my boss, Kevin started the company about 15 years ago. And at the time there's just nowhere to buy a Japanese knife, um, be it the internet or, or brick and mortar stores. Um, a lot of us being chefs, we either used, you know, nice quality German knives. We had our Henkels or our French Sabatiers, um, if we were lucky, or we had just like really cheap crap knives, you know, made out of soft steel with plastic handles. And so, you know, even though a knife is such an important tool for a chef, it became something that like, you know, some chefs had who were serious had really good knives that they would take good care of. They wouldn't let anybody touch. Most of us didn't really have great tools to work with. And so he walked into uh, a shop while he was working in London one year and uh, and tried a knife. It was, it was you know, this Japanese guy selling knives that he made and, and tried this knife and it just like absolutely blew his mind. I had a pretty similar experience. You know, he, I, I did have a really good Henkel's knife that I used for a lot of years in kitchens. Um but I, the first time I used a Japanese knife, it was just like everything changed. It totally blew my mind and perception of what sharpness was 
And uh, you get pretty obsessed after that. I'm sure you guys, you know, being into hunting and camping, once you start using really nice gear, uh, you, you, you're kind of hooked and it's kind of a problem from then on. And so it becomes expensive. Those of us with the biggest problems end up working at Knifeware so we can get a staff discount. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you gotta, gotta feed the, the habit. Um, but it turns out Knifeware is a really good place to work and, and you get to work with really cool stuff all day. So, uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. I love it. So it's not just chef's knives though, right? Like it's not just like the big, like you have a range of yeah of, of different types of knives. It, it's not just chef's knives, and it's also not just knives for chefs. Um, you know, right. I think one of the most common things I hear people say is, "Oh, well, I don't need a, a knife that's that good because I'm, you know, I just am a home cook, right?" But yeah. people who cook at home deserve to enjoy the process, right? You know, they're feeding themselves, their families, their friends, and uh, that's really what good quality tools are about. At the end of the day, is not just enjoying the end result, but enjoying the the journey that gets you there. So, you know, take, take a knife like this. This is handmade by one of the folks that we work with in Japan. Um, a couple of our guys are actually visiting these guys like right now. I mean, they're sleeping right now cause it's Japan, but they were visiting yeah. them earlier today. And, um, oh, that's beautiful knife. yeah, they're, they're incredible. You know, the camera that. doesn't do it justice, but, um, like I said, they're pretty much all handmade. Many of them are traditionally hand forged by master craftsmen who have been doing it for decades and and you know obviously the craftsmanship all of that is really exciting and cool but when we get down to the function of it japanese knives tend to be made with a lot harder steel uh, and so they can therefore take a much finer edge and keep that edge for a lot longer and so they end up being just a joy to use you don't have to sharpen them hardly ever and uh and like i said they change your perception of what sharpness is suddenly cutting a tomato or pepper isn't a battle it's just like Mm -hmm. joy it's just super fun and and uh you know you end up getting kind of lost in the the cooking process so what was that knife you just showed up do you have a a name for it yeah type so the maker is is hado uh sakai they're from the sakai region in japan um the shape is a bunka which is just like a utility knife kind of mid-size this guy is uh about 180 millimeters long uh, because you know it's metric about seven inches or so. And so this would be an everyday multi-purpose kitchen knife. You would use this for chopping vegetables, cutting up meat, fruit, maybe. Um, pretty versatile size, especially for a home cook. Um, and what did, what does that run you in the store? Uh, that would run you, you know, as low as a hundred bucks and as high as a thousand bucks. The average one would be maybe $200, two to $300, depending. So uh, that one you just held up is about three fifty. If you're guy. listening, you I actually just see. bought this one a couple months ago. Three fifty. Yeah. And that uh, what kind of handle is that? Do you know? That's a Japanese oak. Perfect. So Japanese. It's oak. a hex. Okay. Hexagonal Japanese oak handle. Yeah. It's not hexagonal, is it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um. And there's, it's got the nice sort of um, that you know. Uh, original finish on the top it's it's been mm-hmm. it's blackened and yeah, then we, it's polished and uh we call that, uh, that's stamped. called kurochi in japan kuro is black and so it's just it's yeah. the burned carbon on the steel basically exactly yeah yeah it's it's or, uh it's just a really incredible tool now do you need a knife that's quite this fancy no is it super fun to use fuck yeah it's 
they're they're so much fun and i already have a knife this shape and this size but i bought this one because it was really cool and really fun and i wanted it um <laughs> most people you know people ask us a lot like well how many knives do i actually need do i need that block of like 16 knives uh do i need a carving knife do i need a boning knife most people need like two or three really good knives yeah. and then everything else is just extra and, and fun um if you do get into you know butchering animals or um you know doing really specialized jobs then you can use different knife shapes but um most home cooks need a couple of good knives and they'll be happy so here's a question for you when you see butchers right mm -hmm. like they have their special boning knife and their long you know um uh, whatever the long ones oh, are the, the, yeah the, the uh, scimitar pretty much yeah yeah now are there japanese versions of butcher knives totally so the interesting thing that we we've been selling japanese knives for 15 years and when we first started doing business in japan um more of the knife shapes that we saw were were japanese style so japanese cooking's different the animals that are native to japan are different so the knives that they use are different right yeah. <clears throat> um in recent years we've seen more companies making stuff that appeals to western chefs because the market for japanese knives has grown so nowadays there are japanese versions of a flexible boning knife or uh you know like that that longer knife sometimes called a breaking yeah. knife or a scimitar for butchers or cleavers cleavers to cut through bone right mm. whereas most of those shapes wouldn't be very traditional you'd see something called a deba which is like a, a thick pointy blade for filleting fish you think about like the flexible yeah uh you know scandinavian knives we use for flying fish in japan they're totally different they are like a wedge shape and they're super super thick that's because right. japanese steel is a lot harder so if you try to cut a bone it's going to chip if your steel isn't thick so yeah. so they were just engineered super differently these days we do see stuff that's a lot more like western knives but still maintaining a lot of that japanese craftsmanship and spirit it's it's cool to see more of that fusion kind of kind of come through as as the east meets west more totally um that's crazy it's, it's really fun like our our <clears throat> as a company you know we go to japan about twice a year and we hang out with these people and um get to know them and make friends and have dinner and get drunk and but also tell them about our customers like hey what do what do western chefs like what do western home cooks like you know what what do japanese home cooks or japanese chefs like that western people might not know about and might enjoy so it's it's been really cool seeing this cross-pollination of cultures and ideas it's, it's pretty awesome that's wicked our uh, our friend alan is um he was a chef uh in ireland um, nice so he's got fish and chips <laughs> oh my god he'd fucking kill you <laughs> <laughs> it's the oppressors matt the oppressors i, are I was gonna say deep fried mars bars but that's scottish yeah <laughs> everything so the other stuff yeah oh, right? whiskey yeah yeah whiskey and guinness so they don't really actually need to cook anything really um but yeah he he nerds out over knives and uh he was just telling me he found some guy on ebay that's selling like old japanese knives mm and then like for dirt cheap and then oh, you wow. just clean them up clean them up sharpen them yourself yeah and they're like 
perfectly fine. Totally. Like they're like rusted or whatever. So you just, yeah. you know, CLR wire brush, yep. polish it up, whatever. Yeah. And um, maybe just give it a quick, quick re refinish. And then uh, they're like, obviously like a Japanese knife doesn't really lose its, its um, integrity. No, I mean, good, totally good steel is good shit. steel. And as long as it doesn't rust away entirely, like you can bring yeah. it back from the dead and, and make it cut really well. Totally. Again. So yeah, That's super anyway, cool. He might listen to this one. He might not, he <laughs> might be dead again. No, as soon as he hears my Scottish comment, he's going to, uh, he's going to yeah. fucking change. <laughs> <laughs> we we uh, do get people bringing in like their grandfather's carving knife or, the the their their you know great grandfather's bayonet or something for to get cleaned up and and restored and it's it's pretty and that's cool something when we do get to hear those stories and that's something you guys do is uh you'll you'll sharpen and clean up and restore yeah it. yeah i mean there's we have limited abilities like we can't totally if something's totally destroyed we can't necessarily replace but we we've fixed some pretty gnarly stuff you know um one of the things that people don't realize at first about Japanese knives, maybe because they've seen one too many Ginsu commercials is that, uh, Japanese knives can chip somewhat easily, you know, the harder steel. Think about glass. Glass is really hard, but it can break easily. Um, Japanese steel is similar in the sense that it's much harder. So it keeps an edge way longer. and gets a lot sharper, but is more fragile. And there's, there's things that makers do to prevent it breaking too easily. So they're not going to, you know, fall apart if you look at them. But mm. if you try to cut a bone with a Japanese knife, it will chip. Um, the good thing is we can fix that super easily. So we do get knives that are chipped semi-regularly to repair. We get knives that are rusted. Um, sometimes somebody's dog got a hold of the handle and chewed it up and we have to fix yeah. that. So we've, we've, we've done some pretty wild stuff over the years. See, Matt, even the best blades <laughs> chip and break. <laughs> oh, oh. Yeah. Do you have a story? So, so you you missed our our banter just before you got on where mm. um i have so darren is a uh avid blacksmith in his garage and he's made me a, a couple knives where i have proceeded to break them all as well as his and i'll, I'll straight crack them in half and so his you've you've just you've inflated his ego saying he's making such good <laughs> knives they're so strong and they're so hard that I'm using it wrong. So thank you for that. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's, it's the right tool for the job sort of situation. Now there are things I, I know nothing about your friend. You can heat treat a knife wrong. You can overheat it or underheat it or whatever. So that sure it can. is, it is too fragile and it does break easily. <laughs> um, but I'm sure, I'm sure you know about that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know about it. I'm not sure if he does. <laughs> I'm figuring it out, right? <laughs> but but, but it, it really is right tool for the job, right? Like, so here, here's another knife we'll show off. This isn't one we sell, but I thought you guys would appreciate this guy. Yep. Yep. <laughs> this is my, my like buddy a Chris Green, a... who's a, a knife maker as well, made this. Uh, and awesome. this is made from, I think, W1 steel. Okay. And, yep. and so he tests his knives by whacking a 2x4 to pieces with it. Because he's making like bush, literally bushwhacking knives, right? That are meant to like, you know, you could cut a pig in half with it, and it wouldn't, it wouldn't break. But if I did that with this knife, this knife would snap in half, no problem, because it's not made for whacking through two by fours. It's made through slicing tomatoes and raw salmon, and you know, delicate things like that. 
So I make kitchen knives, Matt, I guess. Is what, <laughs> I guess is so, what yeah. Is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so we need to start talking about what kind of Japanese knife can we get for a butcher knife, a like a, a hunting knife. Mm. Is there... Do you guys sell or make something like that? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a, a pretty solid hunting culture in Japan. And so there are makers that specialize in hunting knives. And now when it comes to butcher knives, things that are a little more kitchen-centric, we sell those at Knifeware. So we sell like the traditional boning knife and we sell uh, a few blades that are for deboning animals that are more Japanese style. Um, but we have a sister brand uh, with a store in Calgary called Kent of Inglewood where we sell stuff right. that is more focused towards the outdoors. So hunting, camping, fishing, bushcrafting, etc. We sell oh, yeah. a lot of these uh, Scandinavian knives you might have seen. Hele. Yep. Uh, we sell Mora. We sell Buck. We sell um, knives for my buddy Chris, like local blacksmiths. Uh, and then we sell J- Japanese hunting knives as well. And so there is a Japanese hunting knife. Totally. Yeah. But so do they just use a different steel in that aspect or? Uh, yes or? and no. I mean, um, and this is actually sometimes a problem we run into with Western hunters who are used to steels that are not quite as hard is um, although they make the knife a lot thicker and they might use a steel, it's not as hard. It's still Japanese steel, which generally means it's still really hard. So yeah. if you do try to cut through a bone or, you know, do something that's really aggressive, like batoning firewood or prying something apart, you might still damage the blade. <laughs> Whereas that's, 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 that's Matt, my MO. Prying something apart. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> is, is that how one of these knives uh, met its end? Uh, that's how they all met their end, uh, is popping the neck bones apart. Right. Where it's it's not the cutting, it's not the dropping, it's the, the final twist where you're trying to sever the, the vertebrae. Mm-hmm. And it's that, that final, like, you're trying to just just pop it right and all of a sudden you're left with two knives <laughs> for the price of one <laughs> one doesn't have a handle and one doesn't have a tip <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's great it's great you don't feel bad at all <laughs> <laughs> it's and that's a a matter of like right tool for the job right like that that's a job for a softer steel um whereas for me like if it's a matter of just cutting through meat or taking meat off of a bone uh <clears throat> then i'm gonna use a harder steel but totally. yeah. to each their own <laughs> well the number of blades i've wrecked i shouldn't actually be left to my own accord so uh we'll just... <laughs> I, I think you should just stop giving you knives <laughs> <laughs> you know that's true that's totally true and um, I'll, I'll learn one day <laughs> the last knife he gave me uh i've not touched because i'm terrified <laughs> of breaking it <laughs> it's it's in its sheath it's in a safe spot and it's uh it's a decoration almost. You, you know, it's, it's funny. We, so we get a lot of customers or, or, you know, folks walking in off the street that see a knife that's handmade, that's beautiful. And they go, Oh, I, I'd never use that. It's too nice to use. Yeah. And, and I, I, I think that's always an interesting sentiment. Cause I'm, I'm a fan of like, like I have this beautiful knife that I paid my buddy a lot of money for, but it's covered in patina. Like the steel's oxidized like crazy. I've rusted yep. it at times, um, and and I've done a lot of stuff with it. But to me, that's the beauty of it is is like it it shows the love and the the abuse and the 
you know, all the, all the hard work you've put into it. And, you know, obviously there's, there's a such thing as too much abuse for certain knives, but, <laughs> but, but I like that, you know, like if you know the limits of a tool, I think it is important to use it in and it's a shame not yeah. to. Totally. Um, so when something, when you do start getting like rust on a blade, how do you handle that? Yeah. So like this kitchen knife I showed you before, uh, this is made from a high carbon steel. It's not stainless. Um, and that is maybe that maybe accounts for half of the knives that we sell roughly. And, uh, and a lot of people are kind of shocked when they hear that a, a kitchen knife can rust. Um, cause we're not used to that. Like carbon steel knives used yeah. to be a common thing, but, but they haven't for a long time. Um, luckily rust is really easy to deal with. Um, if your knife has been rusted for months and months and months or years and the rust is eaten into the steel, it's a different matter. But usually when we see rust, it's somebody washed their knife and they put it away wet and they come back yeah. to it a day or two later and it's rusty and they are heartbroken. And it's just a matter of gently scrubbing it off. Um, I usually recommend like barkeeper's friend is a great compound. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a few bucks. You know, we sell it. Canadian tire sells it. Uh, it removes rust, but it doesn't scratch up your knife. If you have a really beautifully polished knife, you don't want to buff the rust off with sandpaper because it's going to destroy the finish on your knife. So right. uh, I usually recommend Barkeeper's Friend or even a bit of uh, a bit of baking soda, a little bit of water and a paste and use that. And it works great. Um, if Is you... uh, Scotch-Brite too aggressive? The green Scotch-Brite stuff? Uh, I, I've definitely used that before. Um, if, again, if you have a knife that's really like, you know, the, the maker of this guy spent a lot of time getting this finish nice and smooth and polished on the blade. It's not, yeah. it's not a mere polish but it's quite smooth. So if I used a scotch bright, I'd see it afterwards. Like it'd be all scuffed up. And so I like to use okay. something pretty gentle if the rust isn't that bad. If the rust is bad, then you kind of have to get in and, and refinish it and, and do the whole surface. What about a, a, a 4.0, like 4.0 steel wool? Because you can use that on glass technically. Really? That's super fine, eh? I don't know, man. I'm going to have to go buy some and, and find out. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. You can also light your own uh, fire in your backyard with it, apparently. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, you touch ever... a nine volt battery to it, and it just starts to like. Oh, that's handy. Like tinder up on you. Nice. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I'm a big fan of the dryer lint, but I'm gonna have to try that out. Yeah, wrap wrap dryer lint in that, and then. Oh yeah. Touch it to a nine volt, and you got fire starter. Right on. Yeah, you can burn burn your neighborhood down. Yeah. Didn't hear it here. <laughs> no, no, nobody heard um, it here so that's fine yeah i i uh i made myself a, a chef's knife and mm -hmm. because it's not stainless that's exactly it like when i wash it i use paper towel because tea towels don't work to dry anything <laughs> worth a damn yeah uh make sure it's all off and then i i put a little bit of olive oil on them and i rub it on much like you would a cast iron pan totally and i find that helps protect against any sort of yeah. any rust so keeping your knives oiled so oil it and throw it in the sheath i think is probably good if you've got a sheath if not put it in the drawer oil totally. yeah i mean is over that... time the cool thing about carbon steel is it uh, and, and really what i love about it is it it builds that patina over time and it discolors and yeah. you know it, it gets like that grayish or brown or dark you know dark almost black color uh and to me like 
some people aren't a fan of it, I guess, but I, I'm a huge fan because it shows it shows what you've cooked with your knife or what you've cut with your knife. And it mm-hmm. shows the the love and the work you've done with it. Yeah, it's like a real knife, not like a show knife. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I, I have to admit, I'm I'm not a fan of show knives. It's you know we have customers who are collectors, and I appreciate them and I respect them. But yeah, uh, I'm a, I'm a use it kind of person. Uh, it's got totally. no no. There's no point if you can't cut something with it. It's like a truck when you see like someone's truck in brand like a, a five or six year old truck in brand new condition. You're like you've never used that as a truck. Yeah, that's never been that's never been trucked before. Yeah, might as well buy a smart car. Exactly. Is, is that uh, why your truck looks so uh, so punished there, Northcott? Yep. Because <laughs> I use it for trucking, <laughs> and when it's dirty, my kids draw on it, so that helps. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes my wife takes the handle off trying to get through the gate. Just little, lots little of reasons. T-shirt. All trucking. Yeah. All, uh, yeah. Scott wanted to talk about a topic, but since he's not here, we can yeah. make fun of him. How, how about we just um, ignore his topic? How about we talk about his topic and then not address it? Just to pretty him. much. I honestly think it's going to be like a two-second answer. <laughs> so his question is: Without electricity, so since so Scott's putting solar in at his cabin, so this is why he's oh, asking, cool. he's never going to have he's never going to have fucking power electricity up there no solar he wants to know how you know july it's pretty sunny in alberta that's true (laughs) he's also got like other appliances so (laughs) this thing is he's how do you groom yourself Mm -hmm. when you don't have an, an electric tool yeah and and my answer is you don't. That's why mountain men look at us. We all look the fucking same. You don't groom yourself. You have long hair and a beard. Yeah, <laughs> and that's oh, the end of it. Oh, oh, come on! Don't yeah. talk well, about me like that. If you could, you would. Yeah, I would. So that's my answer. Is you don't. That's why mountain men look like mountain men. Yeah, I'm. You know, I. I. Uh, so the store that sells the hunting knives, Ken of Inglewood. Uh, we also sell shaving gear. In fact, that's how we started. And so, really, uh, yeah. So we sell traditional shaving gear, actually. So if we're talking pre-electric, you know, um, I've personally never used an electric razor, uh, so I don't know how well they work or or don't work. But um, we sell straight razors and safety razors, and basically people who think that shaving sucks, but they still have to shave for one reason or another. Uh, right. And and so we sell things like this, like. You know, your grandpa's razor, uh, because yep. if you are going to use a razor, you might as well use one that uh, doesn't cost a shitload of money, doesn't produce a bunch of plastic and actually gives you a good shave. And yes. And so that's that's like I trim my neck. Sometimes I do a clean shave. I've I prefer not to, but uh, I shave here, I shave here and I use a safety razor. It's one blade. It doesn't fuck up your skin, gives you a really close cut. Uh, blades are 20 to 50 cents a piece not multiple dollars and and it's just a little piece of steel and a piece of paper uh so there's no plastic and so uh, a lot of people have gone over to that for shaving their face legs armpits anything because it's just better i am uh so when i was shaving i switched over to that safety razor and i could not believe how better of a shave it was and how cheap it was you that's source crazy. the 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 double edged blades anywhere. Yeah, you can get a box of fifty for I think I was doing fifty for twenty bucks or something. Yeah, uh, 
so relatively cheap pennies per shave and it was way better than a gillette mach 3 which was like i could burn through one in a couple days for what are they five bucks or something for a fucking blade it's it's it was it was driving me nuts i i adore those safety razors and i wish they were more prominent in like the the uh, whatever the, the the shaving mafia, the Gillette and yeah. people would just go away because yeah, a sing a single knife cuts your face better than three, four, five. Whatever yeah, well, because those aren't they're not super sharp, and so all they do is kind of scrape up your skin and pull on your beard and irritate. Yeah, and you're like, oh no, it's not quite as sharp as the first second. I better throw it away, <laughs> right? Yeah. Totally. I used to, yeah, I used to use the, not the safety ones, but like, yeah, like you, like the Mach 3s and whatever. And it just like, my skin was just fucking terrible. So I just stopped. Yeah. That's, I think that's a big draw towards people like men having beards now is the bullshit that we went through for so many years with the propaganda of razors. Like, yeah. Or just I like hated the, it. the five o'clock shadow, like you can get an electric razor, electric beard trimmer that doesn't go all the way. You just do it. And then it's just like your five o'clock shadow all the time. Yeah. 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 And nobody cares anymore if you look right. Like no. you don't it's not it's not nineteen sixties mad men where you have to have a, yeah. a smooth cut to be taken seriously. It's just like no one really gives a shit anymore. Yeah, I mean I think that's I think that's so awesome that it's we we've come that far in that regard. Like it doesn't really matter what you look like and it doesn't really matter what profession you're in. You can have a beard, you can grow your hair out, you can clean shave it doesn't like do whatever you want nobody cares again with the hair comment jeez that hurts <laughs> <laughs> why'd you grow your hair already oh i tried to it's just going down the wrong spot <laughs> <laughs> it's true though you can pretty much like get any job no matter yeah what you look like it as long as you're a white male yeah no oh, obviously no. Mm. obviously Better cut that hard, one. Hard boots. <laughs> um, all right, so safety razor, Scott. There you go. Yeah. Uh, somehow Scott will still be able to fuck that up and kill himself. Yeah. <laughs> so what is, what's the, there's the safety razor you showed. What's the one that flips open like a guillotine? Yeah, so I, gonna, I, I was going to bring mine for one? show and tell, but I realized I lent it to a friend so he could try it out. But so that, that that's called and, a straight uh, razor. His, and like try it out is when? just once? Your yeah, old right. smile. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so believe it or not, I've I've been shaving with a straight razor for about uh, ten years. Um, there's videos of me doing it on the internet. I did it live on on TV a couple of times, um, and it's. So we actually started Ken of Inglewood because of straight razors. We had a, a couple of folks that were really fascinated by them around the time Skyfall came out. If you guys remember. Uh, James yep. Bond Skyfall is a scene where he's shaving with a straight razor and then a very beautiful lady shaves him. And and so, you know, naturally dudes saw James Bond, wanted to be like James Bond, and started coming to their local knife shop asking for straight razors. And uh, and so we said, well, like, fuck it. Why don't we see if we can get some? And so we started getting some of the stuff in, you know, you, you need the razor and then you need the brush and the soap and the aftershave okay. and all that. Uh, and then we actually tried it out, and contrary to the popular myth, the straight razor isn't, like, the closest, smoothest shave you're ever going to get. You're not going to, like, walk away from a straight razor shave not needing to shave for three days. But when you shave with a straight razor, you feel 
really fucking awesome afterwards. Because you just, just you just put a put knife on your, your throat your and survived, right? <laughs> <laughs> New lease on life. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Let's do that again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it, so but, the the straight razor is what they call the the flip open one. Yeah, yeah, and it's okay for for a while. We had a lot of folks coming to us like saying, "Oh, I heard straight razors, you know, the best shave you can possibly get." Um, but it, what it ends up being is just a hobby for a lot of people. It's just like knives or guns or anything. Like it's a thing you can sh- learn to sharpen when you just need something to do quiet in the evening. Um, you can, you can learn this art and, and kind of perfect it. And, and, uh, and it, it's really cool. Like I, I really enjoy the process of straight razor shaving. I do it on special occasions. Like, you know, if I'm going to somebody's wedding and I want to, I want to look great and I want to feel great shave with my straight razor. Um, but most, most of the time I use my safety razor cause it's 10 times faster and it's cheap and yeah. easy to maintain and, and gives me a great shave. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned sharpening though. So mm-hmm. not just straight razors, but like, even if you have like your fancy Japanese knife or just your regular, you know, hang- single Henkel knife that you got from Zellers back when that was a thing and now is a thing again. Yeah. Um, what is like the one thing, like what is the best way to keep your knives sharp at home, I guess? Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, obviously there's a lot of different, especially these days, a lot of different gadgets and sharpening tools you can use. Um, we're big fans of the traditional whetstone. Um, you know, we've all seen our, our grandfathers using them. You guys might like, you know, Darren, I know you make knives. You might use whetstones. Um, we like whetstones because they give you good results and they're not that hard to use. You know, you can, you can dig deep down the rabbit hole, but yeah, a whetstone, you know, there's, there's no real replacement for it. So when we're talking about sharpening a knife, like Japanese kitchen knife, for example, cause that's what we talk about a lot. Um, you know, you can use sanders or fancy sharpening gadgets or those pull through sharpeners. But most of the easy solutions are really bad for your knives. Be it yes, the, the diamond rods or the pull through sharpeners. Um, they tend to remove too much steel, not give you a very good end result. Um, whereas something like a sander or a grinder or an electric sharpener, those tend to require a lot more skill. I find for me, a whetstone's a happy medium where it's, it's fairly easy to get a decent serviceable edge and with practice you can get a really incredible edge uh you can also do things like thin out your knife so not to get Mm -hmm. too nerdy on you guys but um when you cut into food obviously the very edge of your knife is what's doing the initial cutting like getting through the skin of a tomato or a pepper but as the knife follows through especially on denser foods like a potato the rest of the knife is going to affect how the cut goes so if, right. if you have a nice sharp edge, but the rest of the knife is really thick like an axe, it's going to split when you cut like a potato. Whereas if you have a nice taper on your bevel, you're going to get that initial cut that's really nice on the edge, and then the knife's going to glide through really cleanly. And so we like whetstones because you can sharpen the edge and get a really good edge fairly quickly without a ton of skill required but you can also deep dive and get into like thinning out your knife and reprofiling it and making it like an absolute Ferrari of a knife that just cuts insanely well. 
So when a person brings a knife in for resharpening at your guys' place, mm. what what kind of tooling is it? Is it hand sharpened? Is it uh, sanded? Is it stoned? Is it thrown into a machine? Or what do you what do you guys do? So that's a good question. So it's it's all done on whetstones, and it's all done by hand, like by by a human operator. But there's a couple of different ways we do it. So we have the traditional whetstone, you know, the the block contains abrasive that grinds away your edge um but we also have a, a wheel essentially that is a round whetstone that spins and it sucks up water uh to act as a lubricant and so that we do for more of the heavy lifting when we need to like thin out a blade and remove a lot of metal or repair a chip or somebody broke the tip off a knife we have to regrind it so we <laughs> we use we use that horizontal wheel and we occasionally use a belt sander for refinishing and getting a really nice smooth polish on stuff. Um, so we utilize a variety of tools depending on what the situation requires. We pretty much always finish things by hand to get the the best edge that we can. You guys do that in the the Inglewood location, yeah? Or do yeah. you outsource it to a secondary? No, we. So all of our staff, by the time they reach three months, should be able to sharpen a knife competently, and then from there, their training continues. And it's pretty much ongoing. So we have a, a master sharpener who who works for us, and he's been sharpening knives since he started at Knifeworth about ten years ago. And he's a like crazy sharpening nerd. We call him the sharpening wizard, and he's constantly learning and learning new techniques. He's his name's Naoto. He's from Japan. So when he goes to Japan, he meet, like meets up with master knife sharpeners, and they teach him these crazy tricks and secrets. And then he brings them back to us and shares them with our staff and. Uh, so we're, we're really lucky. He's a he's an incredible asset to knifeware. Um, but oh, I want that. I'm jealous. Right? Yeah. Do you want to do you want to take Darren on as an apprentice? He could use the nation. <laughs> yeah. Now, right. So. Yeah. <laughs> we're hiring for a Toronto store. If you want to move to Toronto, no. I'd rather die. Yeah. yeah I'm just, same. Just straight up. Same here. Straight up. No. But um, but we also have we're lucky at knifeware because we we hire people who are engaged and excited about this stuff but we also treat them really well we we pay people well we give them medical benefits and, and profit sharing and other things that make it easy to exist as a human uh and so the people that end up working at night for long term go out and do their own research like we have staff that are super nerdy about sharpening or love cooking and so they go out and do their own research and bring these things back to work and we grow as a team they send out an email to the group saying, Hey guys, I just learned about this new technique of polishing a blade. And I figured this out, blah, blah, blah. And, and people cross pollinate and share their knowledge all the time. And so, um, we all get better as a group. Like I, I haven't actually worked in a knifeware store for eight years because I went to manage Ken of Inglewood for a while. And now I do our marketing. So the level of knife sharpening that I can do that I learned eight years ago is pathetic compared to what our six month staff can do now they'll blow me out of the water with their skills even though they've only been working for us for six months because our our methodology and our, our knowledge is so much more advanced than it was you know eight or ten years ago so it's it's cool That's to be cool. a part of a team that grows like that and yeah when you come to knife wearing you knife sharp and like people are putting a lot of love and a lot of uh a lot of uh care and, and passion into it That's what awesome. is the quantifiable thing that says the knife is sharp mm. do you guys use like a is there like a, 
yeah. some type of optical edge there's a the <clears throat> device that measures it or is it the like paper test you, <laughs> the paper test or do you like cut your fingernail like i saw some crazy japanese dudes do with a samurai knife yeah there there's a, a there's a controversial topic that i love to get into um you'll see some old japanese dudes and they'll take the knife and they'll stick it behind their head and they'll touch their hair on the back of their head with it to see like if it catches which it's like in a country prone to earthquakes i might not do that but uh <laughs> but you see all sorts of stuff uh what's really popular right now is this thing that's like it's a it's a hair a synthetic hair i think that hangs on a little block and it's on top of a scale and so you set the knife on it and you gently press on it and when it cuts the hair it gives you a number of how many grams of pressure it took to cut that hair but all that really tells you is how fine that edge is. So if you're testing a straight right. razor, that's a really good measurement. But if you're testing an axe, that's a fucking terrible measurement because that edge is super thin and weak and going to fall apart as soon as you cut into a tree. So um, at Knifeware, we mostly sharpen kitchen knives. So we test a few ways. We do the paper test, but we do it with a really delicate like phone book paper or, uh, or yeah. like newspaper because it tells you how smooth your edge is. You can hear it. So we listen to it to see how smooth it is. Uh, we check for any microchips because they'll snag in the paper. Yeah. Um, and then we go, we have cutting stations in all the stores and we go and we slice a tomato to see if it gets through the skin of a tomato nicely. Cause that's like the one thing that is the bane of all kitchen knives. Um, yeah. And then we go and we cut like a carrot or a potato that's really dense. But Alan would say, that's why you use a fucking serrated knife. Don't try and cut tomatoes with a kitchen knife. There's no point. That's why there's serrated knives. Well, Alan, Alan needs better kitchen knives. Oh, oh yeah, he does. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Alan, he needs to come it. get it sharpened. I think. Yeah, totally. Yeah, he's yeah, got. Go some make nice your fish food. and chips with them. <laughs> I mean, I mean, he's got a point. Like a serrated knife is a great tool for certain jobs because it's it's a tough edge when you have those big serrations that's a really strong edge and those are going to be sharp forever almost um mm -hmm. if you look at the edge of a knife like this it almost looks the same as a serrated knife but way smaller you have to look you know you look under a microscope and you see like tiny little jagged teeth yeah yeah so it's the same thing but those teeth are a lot smaller and a lot weaker so they're going to dull faster than the giant serrations on a bread knife um but I, you know, I, I prefer how smooth a, a, a good straight edge knife is compared to a, a serrated knife. But yeah, so we test, we test smoothness and then we test how it actually cuts food because that's obviously important. If we're sharpening scissors, we ask that person, hey, are these hair scissors? Are they fabric scissors? Are they paper scissors? And then we test that thing. Like we, we you know, trim a little bit of hair or we cut a piece of paper or we cut a piece of fabric. What, what if they're Wait. bobbit scissors? What if they're what? <laughs> Bobbit scissors. Lorena Bobbits. Oh. Uh, I'm not sure. Tally scissors, we'll call them. Tally whackers. Oh. I don't think we're allowed to sharpen them. That's, that's good. So with your your uh, comment about the micro serrations of a sharp knife. Yeah. Is the sharper a knife gets, like if you go into a super fine razor blade, if you look at the micro scale, do those notches just get closer and closer together? Is it is it just the fact that they're smaller, but they're still notched? Like, is the sharpest knife ever a perfectly smooth knife? Or is it 
combination of like <laughs> slight ridges of cutting that allow you to cut? Mm. This is a great question because, and this is something we get into a lot. Uh, it's a never ending debate, right? If it's a straight razor or, or any razor, right? Think about how a razor cuts. You pull it straight through the hair. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yeah, go on. Yeah. So I understand. The smaller those teeth are, the smoother that edge is, the cleaner it gets through the hair, the less it pulls. Right. Kitchen knives aren't meant to cut straight up and down. They're meant to slide forwards and backwards because an edge that cuts by pushing is going to be a very fragile edge. So generally when you're cutting food, especially if you're cutting tomatoes or or pepper something with a tough skin you want an edge that actually has more tooth more bite to it it's gonna feel sharper yeah. even if it isn't okay yeah that makes sense and and then you're also like you can get so much deeper into it you can get to how thick the edge is the angle of the edge um it's it's really a kind of a three-dimensional problem so people get super nerdy into it we have a whole live stream show on youtube where we get like that nerdy into it and my brain starts to not comprehend what we're talking about usually, <laughs> but it, but it is, is so there, much more than just the edge. Is there a, an angle of, of edge that is recommended for the Japanese knives totally. versus like it's, it's a predetermined number or is it just kind of like within it, a, it's, it's more like a consensus. Uh, so generally we say for a Japanese knife, you're going to sharpen it at about 15 degrees on either side, about 30 degrees total. A Western yep. knife, by Western knife, we just mean softer steel, like what Henkels or, you know, Ikea knives these days are made out of, about 22 and a half, 20 degrees, so about 45 degrees total. Each side, okay, yeah. 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 Oh, that's that's quite the difference, okay. Yeah, and it really comes down to steel hardness, so uh, harder steel, finer edge, it's going to still be able to hold that edge without dulling as fast. Softer steel okay, needs yeah. a more obtuse angle, so it doesn't dull as quickly. And so when you're sharpening, like at home, mm -hmm. like that 22 and a half degrees, which is like the ideal sharpening angle for most knives, right? Yeah. The way I, now hopefully you've got a better way of doing it, but the way I do it is I have my block. Yep. I put my knife straight on it. That's 90. Yep. Half is 45, half of that's 22 and a half, and then I just go. Yeah, dude, I, I love it. I, I love to freehand my angle. <laughs> I, I tell you what, like, I don't, I'm not a person that really sweats the small details, and so I, I pretty much do exactly what you do. And it's good enough, right? If it's sharp, yeah. it's sharp, like a knife. It's math. Can't be wrong. Right? Yeah, so that, that's, that's exactly what I do at home. Um, we have a trick that we show people in our sharpening classes where you, you put a nickel on the stone and you put three nickels next to it and you put the knife on the other side of the nickel and then you pull this middle nickel away, the spacer nickel, and you lay your knife down on the stack of three nickels and that's 15 degrees. And then you put your finger on the spine of the knife and then that sets your angle for you. And it actually works really well, but it's, it's a, it's a bit tricky to figure out. It's, it's it's hard to explain uh, <laughs> with words, but uh, we, we yeah, you, great, you lost me. Yeah. We have a great how to oh, on our YouTube, but it, it's basic trig trigonometry, like a little stack of coins. You lean the knife against it, right. face away. That gives you 
you know, X angle and you can add, I got you. add or okay. decrease nickels to change the angle. It's pretty straightforward. Um, there's also angle guides. Like we sell a clip that you stick on the back of the knife. And as long as your knife is roughly a certain height, it gives you a fairly consistent angle. Um, and that's a great tool for beginners. Totally. That sounds. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm also uh... all down for freehanding it. The important thing is that you have a consistent angle. It doesn't have to be a perfect 15 degree angle, but it needs to be consistent because if you're changing your angle all the time, your edge is going to end up like rounded like that. Exactly. Right. Which can be good for certain applications, but, uh, generally you want that consistent angle. So if it's consistently 15 degrees or consistently 20 degrees matters less than if it's, you know, consistent. I call that raw dogging the edge. (laughs) Exactly. I like it. That's a lot, a lot better term than freehanding. (laughs) <laughs> raw dog ditch um okay we uh i want to do a little segment that we started this year with all of our 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 guests called guest to know you uh so we've got a bunch of questions for you okay some of it trivia some of it's just you have to answer and uh you don't even have to get it right you just have to answer and then you uh, will we'll send you a t-shirt. That's great. Okay, I, already, I already thought you guys have a John Deere t-shirt, so I want that one. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, perfect. Don't fuck this up. First question. <laughs> what kind of cocktail would you be and why? Or uh, drink, Man- any drink. It doesn't have to be a cocktail. Give me a drink. Yeah, I, I would say Manhattan if it's a cocktail, because uh, it's simple, not, not a lot of fucking around. These days, probably just a, a glass of whiskey. A few ounces of whiskey in a glass, and I'm happy. Yep. Wait, wait. That glass still has whiskey in it? Yeah. Well, you know, I've been balancing it out with the cider. Seven and a half percent cider, <laughs> Matt. Come on. Fuck. It's a weeknight, man. <laughs> it is. Um, this one might be tricky, but we'll see. Uh, name one brand in your field that you think is just killing it. Oh boy. Um, <laughs> it, like in the knife field, I like professional field, I assume you mean. Yeah. Yeah. So in terms of, uh, knives, I would say probably Dow strong. They're a pretty big brand. Um, but they have a strong marketing team. They did a crossover knife collab with call of duty, which is just what hilarious. Not really our style, but but it's working because people keep mentioning them on TikTok, and I keep hearing about them. Um, the other one is uh, maybe the Tumbler knife sharpener. It's it's uh, something that sets your angle for you, and it's a little like rolling whetstone. It it's kind of weird, but I think as far as like a simple knife sharpening setup, we've actually ordered one to test out. I'm curious about it. Cool. I uh, I got cut off, but I was going to ask you about that if that was a tiktok gimmick or a legitimate thing uh it looks, yes <laughs> looks looks like it works but yeah it, it works but it won't it's only one grit it won't thin your knife and it's is it's very limited i think it's great yeah, for people yeah. great for people like who have any sort of dexterity issue like if you had to sharpen your knife and you've got parkinson's like fucking you sign me up like that would be the way to go but if you have the time and money Honestly, it's the same price as a set of whetstones. So if you have the time and the patience and the ability, I, I would go whetstones over that. 
but it's a good, good, like straightforward way to sharpen your knives. Cool. Okay. Um, all right. A little bit of trivia ish stuff. What is the difference between a broad axe and a felling axe? Right. So a felling axe is for felling trees, right? Uh, mm -hmm. It's sort of a, a mid-width bit for cutting in sideways to trees. Uh, a broad axe is for carpentry, for like squaring off timbers, for, you know, building shit. Uh, generally, it's got a blade that comes down over your hand because you're kind of working in this sort of motion. Yep. Okay. He just schooled you. He didn't Nailed have that to one. think twice about that. Nailed it. We, did I mention we sell axes at Kenneth Englewood? <laughs> I, I no, went to an I axe factory in that. Sweden uh, about eight years ago. It was pretty cool. Oh, that's wait, cool. wait, wait. Okay, we're going to pause that. Well, well, we'll talk about that later. We'll put, put, put a pin in we'll, there. We'll come back to it. Yeah. Oh, my God. Axes yeah, in no, Sweden. I, I missed that. Okay, yeah, sorry. Um, okay, what is a lodgepole, and where do you find it? Um, I think it's a part of a cabin, but, uh, but that's, yeah, that's as much as I know. It's a pine tree. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like a lodgepole pine. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I knew that. I, I thought for some reason I thought it was part of a construction <laughs> of some thing. T-shirt's only going to have one sleeve now. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> At least cut both off like riffraff or something. No, no, no. no. You got both right. You get a body um, and an arm. <laughs> okay, this one, if you listen to any of other episodes, you might get, so probably not. What uh, does chuchin mean? And use it in a sentence. <laughs> um, <laughs> here comes the chuchin train. <laughs> <laughs> Honey, I'm home. <laughs> I'll give you it. <laughs> it really has no meaning <laughs> um all right i'm just thinking about feeding my 10 year old daughter you yeah know, with the spoon pretty much <laughs> yeah okay what does kataba mean Ooh. <laughs> japanese term oh, k-a-t-a-b-a -A. oh oh you probably said it wrong that's why it doesn't understand. i probably said it wrong. no no you didn't um <laughs> I I should know this, but I got a dog shit memory, so single bevel. Okay. Yeah, that's it. That is something I should know. <laughs> I'm really bad at remembering the Japanese stuff, so I always come to my coworker who's from Japan to ask him, and he just shakes his head at me every time I ask him what something means. Oh yeah. Okay. Well good. There's two more. So <gasps> Oh good. Wait, 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 wait. So Google tells me that's not right. Disagree. It's a it's a Japanese backless saw. K A T A B A. Yeah. No single sided means, saw I mean, with back. Yeah. I, I yeah, mean, okay. I guess if I re read the definition here, I'll I'll stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, next one, a uh, homon. Uh, homon is there's actually one on this knife, so. There is there. Uh, you can't see it at all. But um, one of the ways there's one on your Japanese knife. Yeah. The, one of the ways that you can harden steel is called differential tempering. And in Japan, they do it by taking the steel after they forged it and they paint mud on it or clay on it in layers. And so when they quench it, the back of the knife 
uh, cools more slowly than the, the edge of the knife. And so the back of the knife is softer and the front of the knife is harder. So it keeps an edge better. And you get this beautiful wavy line kind of called a hamon between the two sides. Exactly. That's a cool definition. Yeah. It's, it's a cool looking nothing. thing. Nothing. Cool. I think I did. I made a, 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 what do you call it? Like a fishing knife for for hayden and i think i put a oh nice if it's worth any bonus points the type of the knife that a hamon uh, is seen on is called a hanyaki knife right yeah you made up for the katawa (laughs) thank god two two sleeves um extra bonus points that hamon line separates two types because of the differential heat treat uh higane jigane i believe uh, what are the scientific? Do you know what the scientific names for the the metals are? That was it was oh, Japanese. Uh, stupid Austin site, Austin site, and Martin site, something like that. Martin site and ferrite, yeah, ferrite, right. Austin site is uh, is when you normalize your right, okay, your blade, yeah. That that Very when good. we Thank get into the, the metallurgy is where my knowledge starts to taper off, like very quickly. <laughs> I, so, I just had that in there in case you were like cruising through these and I'm like, fuck, I got to get some. Yeah, no, it's, that's, that's important. <laughs> so when I, when I went to school, I learned all that stuff and uh, you just schooled me. So I yeah. completely forgot that shit. So that's where you. your ship blows up at work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it legitimately did. Yeah. So, um, San Mai. San Mai, uh, San means three, Mai means layers, so it's three-layer steel. That's how both these knives are made. So because Japanese steel is so hard and brittle, they laminate uh, softer steel on either side. As like a, I like to say it's like a security blanket for the knife. Protects That's it from getting wrong, chipped Darren. or broken too easily. Exactly. Nice. Last one. What's a tang? Tang is the piece of steel that goes into the knife, so... Tapers off here. Uh, a lot of makers these days that make carbon steel blades forge, or uh, sorry, weld on a piece of stainless steel that goes in the handle because moisture can get trapped mm. in there and they don't want it to right. rust. So uh, you see a lot of carbon steel knives with stainless steel tangs. We also get a lot of people asking about full tang knives because back in the 80s and 90s, uh, Henkel salesmen used to tell people that was a sign of a good knife. It's just more steel. So, yeah. Is that true? Uh, not really. No, it, if, if you're using the knife as a hammer, uh, it's great because then the knife won't break. Um, but if you're cutting, you know, tomatoes and, and, and squash and, you know, food that humans eat, then it's not necessary. So what in, what in a knife is a full tang versus a not full tang? So I I I don't have any full tang knives here, but picture like a German chef's knife. Darren, are you going to grab one? I'll grab a full tang. That's yeah. a hidden tang. Yeah, so so a full tang is... Oh, okay. You see the steel coming down the back of the handle, and you see those rivets where it's, like, like screwed in. This is a, yep. a partial tang or a hidden tang where the steel tapers off and it goes to about here, but you can't see it, right? This is, like, a almost like a rat tail tang where the steel goes all the way through, and then it comes out the back, and they hammer it over. Yeah. And that holds it in place. 
and Matt, mine is a like mine. I, this is a a full tang. So oh, basically, so the metal is shaped like the handle, and then you put your scales on to to build the handle out. So, so we can use your knife as a hammer. Yep. <laughs> That's my fault for giving you a bad just, definition. You just no, you just die. That's how he uses okay. them. That's okay. Yeah, Matt uses knives for screwdrivers, hammers. No, everything never. but knifing. No, always knifing. It just happens to be the wrong use. But always knifing. Um. Yeah, that was it for for guests to know you. You crushed it. So right. Well, thank you. I only embarrassed myself um, a couple of times. No, nah, no, not at all. But I do want to say thank you for taking the time to come on and talk to us. Oh yeah, thank, thanks for letting awesome. me come I and ramble to... about knives and steel for an hour. Uh, I no, definitely need to get into um, to knifeware, uh, if not just to have you guys sharpen my shit. Uh, yeah, just and fix my broken my broken tip on my Japanese chef's knife. Yeah, well, I mean we we like to nerd out. Um, we've got our the the assistant manager of our calgary store colin has done some knife making and he likes to really get into like the steel types and and the real uh deep oh, dive stuff so come and hang out and talk his ear off for an hour i love it absolutely will cool well, thank you thanks, thank man. you very much have a good night bud thanks guys have a good night you too and then there was two and there's two um what a beauty He's nice. Yep. Learned a lot about knives. Um, got anything to say, Matt? Keep on teaching. Hey, nobody. Don't forget to check out mutteringpines.com for our line of apparel and follow us on social and anywhere you listen to or watch your favorite podcasts. And remember, keep on chooching.